Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 114 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, and threads at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by the best co host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter, and I don't know, Mark, are you doing the threads thing? Yeah, I have it. I have it. It's the same ad. I haven't, I haven't, uh, posted more than I, I think i posted like one thing and then i was like i i'm not gonna check this again probably <laughs> i'm pretty much like copy pasting all my stuff that goes out to twitter to threads right that. now but it's still like all of my interactions and like seeing random things that i'll quote tweet that's just on twitter because you can't like go find it so all my original stuff is going to threads but like this podcast doesn't live stream to threads and the shorts that we put out from the Chalk Talk account don't go to threads. And when I start live tweeting games, you just don't have the time. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm hoping Twitter doesn't go under, but threads is like my semi escape pod if it ever does. Although I've only got like 60 followers. So go give me a follow on threads. Uh, I'll interact with you guys there as well. But give Mark a follow on Twitter and threads at Mark Henry Jr. Underscore Mark. I- I'm already off the rails on this podcast, but how are you doing today? I'm doing well. This is going to be uh, us yelling at each other. This is going to be the most contentious pod of the year, me and Shane. No, actually, there's probably some draft. I feel like we've been a little too aligned in terms of draft pods as of late. Um, the last two, the first year, we always joke about this. This is all right. This is so off the rails. We always joke about this, but the first year we did draft content together, me and Shane were going at each other and we were disagreeing on everything. I think Shane was right on a lot of it. But we were going at each other and yelling at each other. And we were both like, this would make a pretty good podcast. Like, we're, we're going back and forth. It was a good back and forth. And I feel like now we've just agreed on everything for, like, two years. Uh, I don't know. I don't know which of us is getting smarter. But, uh, my, well, but I the mean, quarter- you, just said, you just said I was right uh, yeah, about exactly. all that stuff. So I think exactly, that speaks yeah. for it. <laughs> Exa- no, you're right. You're right. But the QB rankings is our yearly yell at each other about the same names podcast oh. that we do. Although to be fair, the things we do disagree on on draft coverage is usually defense. Like it seems like our offensive archetypes are generally pretty aligned. Defense, as I turned my ring light on that I forgot to turn on before we hit record. Uh, defense is where we tend to have some different views. So we'll see how this one goes. But yeah, that's a fun behind the scenes thing. When I first came to the Painted Lines, which now we're Edge of Philly Sports, but Dibes really wanted me. I joined as a writer and Dibes wanted to get me on podcasts and I wasn't into it. He got me on Party on Broad, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to launch a podcast and needed a co-host. And Mark had done draft stuff with us. And I told Dives, I was like, I think Mark would be a good, because he's the, I don't want to be like the hot takey stuff. Like I want to be X's and O's focused. I mean, chalk talk. As I feel like Mark is in that vein and we disagree about everything. So it'll make a great podcast. And ever since we launched it, we've not been that far off on much other than Kyle Shanahan. Justin Herbert. Yeah. Justin Herbert. And Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was anti Justin Fields coming to Philadelphia, but I've always been pro Justin Fields. Yeah, I was. You can go back and search the archives of the live draft show when the Eagles traded up. I was so excited. I thought it was for Justin Fields. And the reason that I was so angry that we were hoping for Justin Fields was because I wanted Devontae Smith. So at at least I have that trump card. You do. So, all right, well, let's dive into it. What we are doing today is we are ranking 
every starting NFL quarterback who has made more than one start. So we're not ranking Sam Howell. We're not ranking Jordan Love. We are assuming Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young are the respective starters for their teams, and we're not ranking them because they're rookies. Now, at the end, we might tell you like where we would slot them in based on projection, who we would take them over, but we're not going to rank them. So this is going to be 1 through 27, ranking every other starting quarterback in the NFL. And Mark, I'll throw it to you first. I don't think there's going to be a lot of suspense here, but who is your QB1? Yeah, my QB one is Daniel. Jo- no, I'm joking. Um, my my QB one is quite easily the number one quarterback in the NFL, the number one football player in the NFL, and in my opinion, the best athlete in sports. And I think you could make an argument that, and maybe this is you know, as Bill Simmons would say, Kyle turned the TikTok camera on. Maybe this is like a good YouTube short right here. But the guy might be better at his job than anyone's ever been at their job. Like that's how good Patrick Mahomes is. He might be better as a quarterback than we've ever really seen an athlete be at their sport. Do you know what his record is, Shane? I, it's absurd. Tell me. 75 and 19. That is, Pat, that sounds, that sounds like, like a dominant high school. Like if you like take their last decade and it's like, Oh, this high school that's won seven state championships, they're 75 and 19. Like, that's what that sounds like to me. Like that's not that's, an NFL record. That's like the Trevor Lawrence. He's never lost a game stat that was yeah. going around when he was in college. And, and if we want to, I know I feel like I'm going to end up being like the QB wins guy on this podcast and that's going to upset people. And I, I will talk about that when we get to some other guys. I um, mean, I think everything's a case by case situation, of course, but if we want to talk about QB wins and we want to talk about QB success and we want to talk about stats in his career, Patrick Mahomes has won two Super Bowls, he's lost a Super Bowl, and he's lost two AFC championships in overtime. You have a 40% chance to win the Super Bowl with Mahomes on your team, a 60% chance to make the Super Bowl, and a 100% chance to be in the Final Four within overtime of the Super Bowl. Like That is an unheard of five-year stretch. I think you could put this five-year stretch from Mahomes up against any five-year stretch of any athlete in any sport of all time. Yeah, I mean, just there's no arguing Mahomes number one, so I don't even have that much on this, but I do want to throw this out. He lost his longtime offensive coordinator. He is going to be throwing to a 34-year-old tight end and a trio of wide receivers this coming season whose best years are 690 yards, 420 yards, and 250 yards, and they're Super Bowl favorites. Like, case closed. Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. He's just a whole nother level. He is the elite of the elite, and there's some really good quarterbacks on this list. None of them touch Mahomes week in and week out. He's Thanos. He's inevitable. Mahomes <laughs> is inevitable. That like You are going to have to go through him to win a Super Bowl. And that's probably just. Yeah. All right. So that's the easy one. Uh, Let's get into the next little group here. The next tier of, I would just call these elite quarterbacks. They're just not Mahomes. Elite, but not Mahomes is going to be a thing that's said for a long time. Yeah. Who is your QB two? And I, I have these in tiers as well. And I think Shane will probably do some tiers on the fly for him. But Mahomes is in a tier of himself. Um, just goat tier. This is my elite tier. And to me, 
there's actually four names. I think a lot of people would argue right now that there's three, or maybe they'd argue four with a different name as the fifth guy. But my number two, and I think it's your number two, and I think it would be most people's number two at this point, it's Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow over the last two years, had, I think has clearly been the second best quarterback um, in, in football with the success to show for it. The guy got to the Super Bowl. The guy got to the AFC Championship last year in a, in a really close game. Um, I mean, the guy just wins also. I mean, he's 12 and four this year. Obviously, uh, the, the one game with Buffalo wasn't played and he was, I, I believe, 11 and six the year before. Uh, I think, I, and this is what I wanted to mention when, when we talk about QB wins. And I think really when I'm emphasizing QB wins, I think I do it at the top uh, and more than the middle, more than differentiating guys who are close. I think it means more with the elite players. I think in sports, the only two players who really have a lot of emphasis and control on the success of their team are a franchise star player in the NBA and a quarterback in the NFL. And I do think that there, if you are an elite quarterback, I think you drag your team to a certain level of success and then everything else adds from there. So when I see what Joe Burrow has done the last two years, it's pretty easy to put him number two. And he's also kind of built that culture in Cincinnati. Like this is not something where he stepped into a thriving team. And even Mahomes or some of the other names that you could throw definitely didn't step into as bad of a situation as Joe Burrow did. And even, even, as I, I, this wasn't part of my argument, but factoring it in now, there are people like my co-host Shane who think Zach Taylor is an idiot. And the Bengals have been really successful for two straight years. If that's the case, Joe Burrow is even better than we think if Zach Taylor is as much of an idiot as Shane thinks. I, I think, oh, by the way, caveat here that I forgot to mention up top, we're ranking these guys on like a one-year timeline. So we're not yeah, really downgrading – you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers, that how long is he going to play? We're looking at like one year timeline and we're not saying this will be the best statistical quarterback this year. We're saying, you know, independent of context, how would you want these quarterbacks? Like you could take any quarterback and put them on your team. That's kind of what we're doing here. So, you know, you'll see some guys like Brock Purdy, who was near the top of the league in EPA last year. We're not going to, he's not going to be at the top of our list. He's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He was in a system that worked with weapons that worked and, I, I thought of that here because Joe Burrow is in a great system in terms of having three star wide receivers. You know, he's got really good. He's probably got the best receiving core uh, in the NFL, but yeah, I think Zach Taylor's a moron. And I think Joe Burrow is this generation's Peyton Manning. Like you, you watch how he plays and the way he diagnoses things pre-snap. Now he's maybe not as showy in how he does that as Manning was, especially later in his career. But, uh, this is a guy, he's a pocket passer. Uh, he doesn't have, and this is the knock on him. He doesn't have the greatest arm. He's got an average arm probably, um, but he gets the ball out quick. He can make uh, all of those reads and those throws. And he's totally changed his play style. He was such a high sack player when he came into the league. He was injured as a rookie high sack player his second year. And in five of the first eight games this season, he had more than two sacks. He was holding on to the ball. In the final eight games of the season, he had more than two sacks zero times. He changed his play style on the fly in a month 
and quarterbacks don't do that. Like it took Mahomes two years to figure out against split field safety. You just have to take the check downs and not try to throw the ball deep and scramble around. It took him a long time. Quarterbacks just don't change what they do in a snap. And Joe Burrow does that. And I think he gets credit for he's he's the guy that figures out their offense and makes it run. He doesn't have an offensive coordinator, a head coach that is helping him with that very much, in my opinion. I think Joe Burrow is he's right there. He's number two. He's a very elite quarterback. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, on to number three. Uh, I have as my number three, Josh Allen. I believe he's is he number four for you? He is. Okay, we sort of looked at each other's list. So let's talk Josh Allen, and then I think my f- your three is my four and vice versa. So uh, let's talk Josh Allen first. Um, Josh Allen was on fire to start the season. Like, if you think back last year to the Thursday night opening game, the Rams game, you know, before the Rams were terrible, before everybody got hurt, they came out and did what? Split field safeties. We're going to make Josh Allen throw the ball underneath, and he flawlessly executed a West Coast offense. In that week one game, he had a 2.47 second time to throw, which is faster than everyone's season average last year, except Tom Brady at a 2.45. And he was 26 of 31 for 297 yards and three touchdowns with two picks, one of which he put in his receiver's chest and it bounced off his chest and got intercepted. Fast forward a little bit. Pre-injury, he was second in EPA per play and first in success rate. That offense was on fire before he got injured. And after the injury, it all fell apart, including his accuracy. And we talked a lot about him playing hero ball, trying to push the ball downfield, playing recklessly. And I think a lot of that came from frustration that the accuracy was gone with the elbow injury. Now, obviously, I'm projecting that's going to be back is why I have him ranked number three. But as how good he was at the beginning of the season, I think people have forgotten because of the struggles at the end. So he is my number three guy. Uh, slightly over the guy that I have four. Yeah, I mean, he's only slightly behind the guy that I have three. And I agree with everything you said. And I mean, even to argue against my case here, last four years, he's 47 and 18 as, as a starter. I mean, that is, uh, he's been uh, four straight years pretty much in the conversation as a Super Bowl contender. Um, and, and, you know, you just look at the stats over the last couple of years, he's been remarkably consistent. 4,500 yards, 4,400 yards, 4,300 yards, 37 touchdowns, 36 touchdowns, 35 touchdowns. Touchdown percentage has stayed relatively the same. The other concerning thing that has stayed relatively the same five years into his career is his interceptions, and his interception percentage is pretty high each year. It's not like this is a blip on the radar. It's not like this is a Dak Prescott situation where you look at it and say, ah, maybe this is a little fluky. At this point, I think he's a guy who throws probably 13-plus picks a year. And that can get dicey, and I think my number three guy personally takes care of the ball a little bit more than than Josh does. But also, you have less of a track record to go on with my number three guy, and I guess we can just segue right into it with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is my number three, and you can call me biased for that. That's fine. Part of the thing here is there's less of a track record for Jalen. And you'd normally say, oh, well, that helps Josh Allen. But we've had more time to pick apart Josh Allen's warts. And we've had more time to to kind of see Josh Allen not correct the things that have so clearly been a problem for his entire career. Whereas with Jalen, we have a really short memory because we saw his first year where I think I almost think that in retrospect, we've underrated 
how good he was in, in that first year. He drug a pretty average Eagles roster to the playoffs that year and went on a pretty hot streak at the end of the year to get into the playoffs. So he, but having said that he obviously improved dramatically. I mean, we saw him take all of the warts and turn them into positives um, in a lot of ways. And we saw improvement year to year in a way that I I just, I don't know if I can ever say that I've definitively seen anything like it. Um, And I guess I'm willing to say that I don't think it was a fluke because I buy more into how good he was in year one, even saying how much better he was in year two. So even if he isn't quite as good as he was last year, I think he's going to be a reliable top five quarterback, top seven quarterback for the next five to seven years. Yeah. I, I tweeted and threaded knit. I don't know. What, what do you call <laughs> when you put threads? I don't know. Whatever you call it over there uh, about this earlier uh, this week, or maybe it was late last week, but I was looking at pocket passing. So throwing the ball from the pocket, excluding RPO screen passes and play action, all things that help quarterbacks out a lot just to see where a guy's standing. And I posted out the top 27 quarterbacks in a chart. Jalen hurts was second in EPA at 0.35. He was first in yards per attempt and he was first in interception rate purely as a pocket passer. And when you layer on his mobility and all the other things that he can do and the way that he takes care of the ball and I mean, all the intangible things as well. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it was a fantastic year last year. Will he be as good this year as he was last year? I don't know. What I do know is that I'm done betting against Jalen hurts. I'm done with that. I think he's easily a top five quarterback in the NFL at this moment in time. Yeah, I've got him third. And I think the intangibles that you mentioned, you know, people don't want to hear about it, I'm sure. But I, I think that they're so incredibly relevant when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Every guy that plays with that guy wants to, wants to you know, run through a wall for him. And that's clear. And the fact that the team went 14-1 and one with him. And then they went, obviously, 2-1 and one in the postseason. He, he lost two games out of, out of 18. Like that, that's a pretty remarkable, uh, a pretty remarkable number. And the fact that he went eight and seven, dragging a team to the playoffs the year before that was supposed to win five and a half games mm-hmm. by the Las Vegas standards. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts has overperformed every expectation that's ever been put in front of him, whether it be at Alabama, Oklahoma, in his first year as a starter, or uh, obviously this year. There was a stat, and I cannot remember ex- exactly what it was or where I found it. So I can't credit it, but it was something to the effect of looking at teams that have gone like the most wins Mm -hmm. over expectation from Vegas win totals in a two year stretch. And no one has ever been as over expectation as the Eagles have been the last two years combined. And the the, Vegas loves the Eagles this year as a, as a favorite to win the NFC and a favorite to win the East, but they're not all in on that. I think their number is still only 10 and a half. So they haven't pushed them to that truly elite Chiefs or Belichick, Brady, Patriots level where it was 11 and a half, 12 and a half every year. Uh, and it still is with Mahomes. So I still think 10 and a half is low, to be quite honest. All right, let's get to number five. Uh, who is your number five quarterback? So my number five quarterback is a part of that elite tier um, with Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. And it's Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar Jackson's my number five quarterback. And I, I understand that there are people, and I, I think Burrow, Hurts, and Allen are definitely clearly ahead of him, but I think there's a much bigger gap 
between number five and number six on my list than there is between Burrow and Lamar on my list. I, I think so quickly have we forgotten how incredible Lamar Jackson is, in my opinion. And I think these last two years ending the way that they have um, with the injuries that they have, have obviously hurt his reputation. The way I look at it, I think it should help his reputation. Look how bad the Ravens have been without him. He is so clearly one of the five most valuable players in the league, in my opinion, because he's the offense. I mean, this is a guy who the, the franchise hasn't shown any level of belief in him until this contract that they just gave him. They haven't provided him with any level of wide receivers until this year for Lamar Jackson. And they had Greg Roman. I'm not as low on Greg Roman as a lot of people are. I know you're very low on Greg Roman. So a lot of people would say he was completely hamstrung with a stuck-in-his-ways offensive coordinator who was trying to fit Lamar Jackson into what he thought Lamar Jackson was instead of what Lamar Jackson, I think we know, can be. Um, and even still, having said all of that, he's 45 and 15 in his career. This is a guy who just wins, and when he's on the field, you're a top five team. That's been pretty evident throughout the last five years of his career. Um, and, and I think Lamar Jackson is very clearly ahead of this next tier for me. And I think this might be the biggest argument of the podcast for me and Shane. I can't believe Shane half is going to be low on Lamar Jackson. I, I, all these years, I thought I knew Shane half and now he's, he's disrespected Lamar Demetrius Jackson jr. Yeah, so Lamar is eighth on my list. Oh. And a lot of that comes down to health. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On a one-year timeline, he, he's ended the last two years on the bench injured. And I'm not a big guy that is going to say, you know, oh, I'm not I'm not quick to use an injury-prone label. I don't think scrambling quarterbacks are more likely to get injured. In fact, I've argued vehemently against that on Twitter. But at the end of the day, I think there's some really good quarterbacks, and he's had health issues. That said, the Ravens were third in DVOA offensively last year when Lamar was playing. Lamar was 12th in EPA and ninth in success rate while throwing to Demarcus Robinson and Devin Duvernay. Rashad Bateman was hurt. This year, he gets a better offensive coordinator. Mark mentioned that. He gets Odell Beckham Jr., which we'll see. Rashad Bateman. They drafted Zay Flowers. Like, I fully expect... If, I, if Lamar stays healthy, I fully expect to have him higher than eighth when we do this next year. But for me, the reason, the sole reason he's a little lower has nothing to do with who he is as a player. I think he's a very good player. It's got to do with picking nits at the top, and the nit I can pick with Lamar is his health. Yeah, I understand that, and I don't really have an argument against the health thing. I, I'm concerned um, about the health, but I think I'm overvaluing the success and kind of putting aside the health because I just don't think this next tier um, for me, I have a clear six, seven and eight. And I just don't think any of those guys have accomplished enough to, to be put in the Lamar category of Lamar's just been a Super Bowl contender every year that he's been in the league. And I just don't think you can say the same about these other guys yet. And I think there's the next two guys on my list are probably going to be higher than Lamar going forward, especially the one. And I I'm going to make a, a strong statement when we get to my number six, but um, it's, it's interesting the the Lamar discussion and it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's a put up or shut up year 
for Lamar, even though I guess not really since he got the contract, but it's a put up or shut up year for his reputation. And yeah, in I mean, terms of, yeah, maybe, but if you get OB, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. comes in and isn't off his injury good, Rashad Bateman's coming off an injury. Like I'm excited is, about the yeah. receiving core, but it's, it's very possible that we're going to be sitting here in November and just being like, man, Lamar just doesn't have any weapons once again, which would You're be a to- shame. You're totally right. I am just I, I I'm willing to be positive because they've tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least they've tried something. Whereas in the past we've just been like they didn't do anything. This is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Like, so I at least they did two. They did two moves, and I, I like the ideas of the moves. There's a chance it doesn't work out. I'm probably if we were ranking receiver tree or weapons, whatever, however you want to phrase it, I'm probably lower on Baltimore than consensus still. Cause I'm still skeptical. I'm not, I was never as high on Zay flowers as a lot of people are. I'm I've never been as high on Rashad Bateman as a lot of people are. I'm actually probably a little higher on the idea of Odell than a lot of people are, but I, it won't be surprising if the receivers aren't good, but we've seen him make it work with such bad receivers that to me, I'm having a hard time it being worse. It feels mm-hmm. like one of those three guys has to stay healthy and pop a little like it, it It feels like it. I mean, he, and my other argument would be he made Hollywood Brown, like another level of player in people's mind. He made Hollywood Brown, a guy who got traded for a first round pick. This is a guy who I thought was going to be like a 50 catch 800 yard a year type guy. What did he have his last year in Baltimore, Hollywood Brown? I'm pretty sure it's like a hundred and like well over a thousand yards. Like, he had a crazy year before he got traded to Arizona. He had he had 91 receptions for 1,008 yards and six touchdowns with it's Baltimore not, in 2021. It's not as good as I remembered it. But it's still, yeah, I mean, that's still, like, better than Hollywood Brown is, in my opinion. Yeah, I remember being terrified that the Eagles were linked to Hollywood Brown because I'm a big Oklahoma fan. He played at OU. I remember being terrified when the Eagles were so linked to him because I was like, I do not want him. I don't think he's worthy of a first-round pick. I was upset when the Ravens went in on him as the guy to help Lamar, but I was even then more upset when after a year that Lamar had him and he had 91 catches and a thousand yards that they traded him. And I get the trade was good. Like value wise, he's not worth a first round pick. You got a starting center for a decade, but have like read the room Baltimore. Like your receiver (laughs) room is terrible and you're trading the only okay one. And even though it's a good trade, you have to like take your situation into consideration. And I, yeah, I don't know how this turned into me just bashing Baltimore, but yeah, I, I, I would have yeah. taken that trade in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You have to do it, but man, it, it but was the optics tough, are bad. Yeah, it was tough to to. Yeah, it was tough. But yeah, right. for me, clearly number five, and the two people I sent my list to, this was their gripe with me. Lamar Jackson doesn't belong in this tier. With uh, with Burrow, Allen, and uh, and Jalen, I vehemently disagree. I absolutely think he does. All right. Well, speaking of also, quarterbacks I'm... that don't have receivers, one yes. more question, real okay. quick. Why does Lamar Jackson get labeled as a playoff loser, but Josh Allen doesn't? I don't know. It's a good question. I'm just asking because I, I feel like you could 
pretty easily compare their playoff. Maybe maybe because Josh Allen lost in the playoffs and didn't get to touch the ball in overtime. Not to reignite a debate from our last episode about the overtime yeah, yeah, yeah. rule that's, changes. That's fair. Twenty twenty is a good good argument. I, I'd say he got he got punked the last two years, Josh yeah. Allen. But yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it's a good argument. Twenty twenty will definitely always stick with people forever because it was the greatest football game ever played. Yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, my number five, speaking of quarterbacks who have not had receivers, uh, and Ugh. you can break out your QB wins thing here, but is Justin Herbert. Yeah, uh, he's really earned Mark, it. I'm going to make you say a positive thing about Justin Herbert. What What's what's his best trait? Like, you think of Justin Herbert, what's the thing that sticks out? He's got a great arm. I, I'm not yeah. – He's he's got everything you'd want when you're building a quarterback in a laboratory. So, my ranking no no no, no you don't, no, 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 you okay. don't get to be negative yet yeah you yeah. said exactly what i thought you would say though is our everybody talks about the arm that's not even in the top two things in my opinion that's most impressive about him like his maneuverability in the pocket like his pocket presence is elite he's not a mobile guy he's not going to be scrambling but you go look at like his pressure to sack ratios and he's done it behind a shaky offensive line they're tops of the league he is so good at making those slight movements in the pocket that to be honest, most people aren't going to just notice watching a game, but you go watch it and you, that's what you're looking for. He's so good at sliding out of pressure and he moves through his progression so fast. I will never forget. I think it was two years ago, uh, seeing a two point conversion play where he made it to his fifth read on a two point conversion play. And that's just insane. Um, he had 0.17 EPA per attempt when Mike Williams was in the lineup last season which would have ranked sixth in the nfl he's consistently been hamstrung by a lack of weapons injuries to the weapons he has speed lack of speed and an awful offensive coordinator now this is you talked about a put up or shut up year for uh, lamar this is a put up or shut up year for justin herbert because they went and got a receiver what's the receiver's name i did i'm blanking now yeah they okay yeah not who i would have gotten but they went and got a receiver more importantly, they got an offensive coordinator. I think Kellen Moore is a fantastic offensive coordinator, and I fully expect Herbert to play at a level that gets him a lot more recognition than from people other than just the film nerds. Maybe it's because there are no Chargers fans like capping for Justin Herbert online, but I feel like he is. Huh. I, I don't think there's any shortage of Justin Herbert stands on Twitter, if yeah, that's what we're talking about. But none of them are Chargers fans. This is all yeah, like film yeah. nerds and stuff. But anyways, I... I just think people think, oh, he's got a cannon of an arm, which is true. I just think that's like the third most impressive thing about him. My problem is all of it's there. He's got all the tools. At a certain point, if you're going to be a top five quarterback, you have to do something. You have to do, you have to earn something. You have to accomplish something. I, the guy blew a 28 nothing lead. In his first playoff game. And I understand that everyone's going to throw. It's the defense's fault. And it's all these things. How many times did Justin Herbert have the ball after 28 points were up on the board? Do you know? I don't. How many? Five. Five times against the Jaguars defense. Which was bottom half of the league in almost every metric that matters. Five times he had the ball. He didn't do anything with it. While Trevor Lawrence was going up and down the field after starting the game with four picks. Trevor Lawrence ended, honestly, Trevor Lawrence threw four picks in that game. I walked out saying, you know what? 
Trevor Lawrence stepped up when it mattered. And I understand that that's not a very analytical way of looking at things. And I understand that that's not maybe correct. If you look at the stat lines, Herbert had a better game for sure. Trevor Lawrence threw four picks and I walked away feeling like he was less of a loser. I I couldn't believe that Herbert couldn't get anything going in the second half of that game. And not all of it's his fault. Absolutely not. But I've just never seen anybody get handed more and praised more for less, for doing less, is my problem with Herbert. He's going to be a top three quarterback, probably. Maybe top five. Maybe There's a lot of really good quarterbacks. So, whatever. He's going to be in that conversation for a decade. He's got everything you'd want. He's got every tool you'd want. My problem is, let me see him earn it a little before I'm putting him above Jalen Hurts. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen in that conversation. And that's my issue. And I'm fine putting him above Trevor Lawrence. I have Lawrence six and Herbert seven. Um, I think you could convince me either way. If you're, you know, putting, putting truth serum in my coffee and making me say, um, you know, which quarterback I'd rather have for the next 10 to 15 years, it's Trevor. And it's not close for me personally. I have bias in there about that just because I still believe that Trevor was the best quarterback prospect I ever evaluated. I I think that he, I I don't even look at that rookie year as anything. I look at last year as Trevor's rookie year. In my opinion, I don't think anything about that urban Meyer situation should be counted. We could talk about Anthony Lynn and we could talk about the chargers roster and whatever problems there are. Nothing in the history of the NFL might ever be comparable to the the situation Trevor walked into with urban Meyer you know, hanging out with co-eds and, and uh, you know, kicking kickers. So it, mm-hmm. it was a mess there for his rookie year. But I, I think that I, I would take Trevor's mobility. I, I would take Trevor's kind of his big game feel. I think he's been in those moments in college and he's stepped up. He won a championship. And I, I think we saw that in the playoffs and not just in the Chargers game. I loved how Trevor played in the Kansas City game. I feel like people have kind of forgotten that that game was close. That Jags Chiefs game. That was a really close game. And so I guess I'm transitioning from the Herbert conversation here, but I have Trevor Lawrence. We we both both have have Trevor. We both have Trevor Lawrence six. Yeah. And I five year timeline. I would rather have Lawrence than Herbert. Oh, wow. I didn't think you'd say that. He's, he was so impressive down the stretch last year as he started to settle into the Doug Peterson offense and, I remember like, and obviously he was a generational prospect and I try to find a way to talk about those guys and give the strengths and weaknesses. And one of the things I said as a weakness of his, and you're nitpicking, he's going to be the number one pick, but he had a really simple offense in college. Mm -hmm. And so there were, I had some concerns about that coming into the league. I said, I don't think he's going to come in and like light the league on fire as a rookie. Now I didn't think it was going to be because urban Meyer just didn't show up half the time, but I thought there would be a little bit of struggle in, in that transition. Well, second half of last season, he's running a West Coast style offense at an elite level. And he had some decision making breakdowns that I thought stem from poor pre-snap reads at times, specifically like that Chargers game. They got him a few times. Overall, he had a tremendous second season, which was really kind of like his rookie season. And Trevor Lawrence, top-notch quarterback. I would easily hitch my wagon to him to the, for the future. I think he will be it. I think he'll be competing for that number two spot within a year or two. 
I agree. And if you said, you know, we're drafting quarterbacks for the next 10 years, he's probably my third pick. He's, yeah. It's probably Mahomes, Burrow, and then him. Um, and then you have a conversation after that about Hertz, Allen, or Herbert. Probably. I'd probably take Hertz. And I, it's really tough. That's a really tough one to rank for the future. But yeah, Lawrence would probably be third. And I think Lawrence will be in my top five next year. And I think the Jags, if there's anyone outside of the Chiefs and the Eagles that are going to win the Super Bowl, I think it's the Jags. I've said that before. Um, I, I think that they have a path there with their division. I think Trevor Lawrence is in for a huge breakout season in terms of statistically as well. Bet the Trevor Lawrence MVP props. All right. So we are through our top six quarterbacks and we are 35 minutes into the podcast. So we're going to speed <laughs> this one up a little bit here, but uh Let's go to my, I guess technically we've done seven quarterbacks. Uh, we have eight and nine flipped, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. So, let, well, let me do my number seven. Uh, it is, I have at number seven, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. Now, Never. Oh, I did make a few changes after I'd sent you my list as I kind of compiled some things, shuffled a little bit. So Aaron Rodgers, I have a seven. Uh, now he had a down year last year. He was also dealing with losing Devonte Adams uh, a broken thumb, general unrest with the Packers organization. I, I expect him to be back closer to his MVP form this year. Now, if you're talking three years, five years, I don't want Rodgers because he's flirted with retirement. But on a one-year thing, uh, I, I think you know he had back-to-back -back MVPs before last season when he lost Adams, broken thumb. I, I expect him just to get back to that level. So I have Rodgers as seven. I believe he is number nine on your list. Is that right? He is, and man, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't even think about moving into 10 at times. Um, he was concerning last season. There was a lot that was concerning. I remember that one Lions game was really bad where he kept turning it over on the end zone, um, mm -hmm. and I that kind of always sticks in my memory. And even the, end, the game, even the last game against the Lions, the second game against the Lions, all they needed to do was win, and, and they were into the playoffs there, and Rodgers – didn't really show up for, for week 18. And yeah, I just, if he was 35, I'd probably have him sixth. If he was 35, I'd be willing to write off that year and say, here's a new situation. And I think he's going to be fine. He's old. Like at a certain point when you see the decline and you see the age at the same time, I'm an ageist when it comes to sports. So I'm always going to get off early before it's too late to make a cross-sport reference that Shane won't care about. The New York Mets decided to go all in on Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, two pitchers who are pushing 40 or over 40. And guess what? It's not working out well. As we're getting closer, I'm starting to think the Jets might, might be disappointing. I'm starting to get there. I was kind of like all aboard the Jets being a wild card. We're getting closer. We're inching towards the season. And I keep just, I can't get it out of my brain how many times I just expected Green Bay to be like, oh, they figured it out. And a lot of the times it seemed like they might have. And then it would be like, man, feels like all they're missing is Aaron Rodgers just being a little better. I, I can't get that out of my mind. It's a brutal division, too. It's brutal. I mean, the conference in general, it's just insane. <clears throat> How many P how many teams think they're making the playoffs in the AFC next year? It's it's like like 14. Yeah, 13 or 14. <laughs> it's everyone but the three teams in the and the Titans might. They're crazy. 
the Titans Rabel always think, think they're making the playoffs. So it's really like Houston and and uh, and Indy. Houston better think they're making the playoffs. They <laughs> traded their first round pick. By the way, I think they might. I don't really, I don't really think they might, but I, I think they're going to be competitive. That's my, I'm like big on Houston this year. I think they're going to win seven or eight games, and people are going to be like, oh, they didn't give up the third pick. Yeah. Okay, let's keep rolling here. Your number eight uh, is my number nine. Uh, it is Dak Prescott. So I'll let you talk about him first. You've got him a little higher than I do. Yeah, I mean, Dak and Rodgers are in the same tier for me. You could flip-flop that 100%. I went with the guy that's a decade younger. Uh, I went with the guy who I'm willing to bet on Dak's one-year blip with interceptions being a fluke more than I'm willing to bet on a 39-year-old having a huge decline being a fluke. That's kind of where I'm at with that, to, to put it quite simply. Yeah, I mean, last year Dak was injured playing behind an injured offensive line. He only had one wide receiver and he's taken care of the ball really well prior to last season. Um, of course, last year he led the league in interceptions despite missing games, but I even think that's a misnomer. Like his turnover worthy play rate was lower than Josh Allen, Geno Smith, Tua, but he threw more interceptions than all of them. And it's because he had the highest aggressiveness rate in the NFL. He was constantly throwing into tight windows because nobody could get open. And when you are a quarterback who is not going to scramble, which Dak doesn't do since his injury, you're either going to be a big check down player, you're going to take a lot of sacks, or you're going to throw into tight windows. And Dak throws into tight windows for better or for worse. And last year it was for worse. I don't expect his play style to change. I'm not arguing it should. I'm saying that there was a lot of bad luck in some of those turnovers last year that I expect to go away. So uh, I mean, he's still easily, easily a top 10 quarterback. I would say there's a nine from nine to 10 is a drop off for me. Uh, so I think he's very easily a top nine quarterback in the league. Yeah, I tend to agree. I have him eighth, so I tend to agree. All right, let's recap here since we've got nine. Uh, my top nine, one to nine is Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott. Mark's one to nine is Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so let's jump into our number 10s. Uh, I'll lead us off here. My number 10 is Geno Smith. Uh, Geno Smith takes the league by storm last year. And he's an old quarterback with a small sample size because he never had much of a chance before. Literally, outside of like Nick Foles, this is the weirdest career arc I've ever seen in the NFL. Uh, but he led the league in completion percentage over expectation last year. He's seventh in success rate. He had a beautiful deep ball. 25% of his deep passes last season produced a touchdown. That's just incredible which is ironic. That's what Russell Wilson was known for, like the moon ball. They got rid of Russell Wilson and put Geno Smith in, and it was the same thing, except where Russell Wilson will not throw the ball over the middle of the field. Geno rips the ball over the middle of the field with high confidence. It reminds me of like how Jimmy G plays. Maybe you shouldn't be that confident over the middle, but he was willing to make those throws and not blink. Now, it started to tail off at the end of the season. Maybe he's too high here. But over the whole season, I really liked what I saw out of Geno, and I'm excited, especially now with Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's poised to have another really good season this year. 
Yeah, I think there's a guy. Uh, I don't think he could be in a better situation. Uh, I think Seattle is just such a perfect situation. They drafted, you know, bookend tackles last year. They they figured out their O line. They have uh, obviously one of the better receiving cores in football. That got even better with, in my opinion, by far wide receiver one of this draft. I, I have a feeling he's going to have a really good year again this year, but it's hard for me to fully buy in uh, on Gino and put him up in this conversation um, when all we have to go off of is one year that we're admitting he looked bad for the last quarter of. Um, so that's my concern with Gino. I have him 15. Um, so th- that's where I have Gino. And so my first, my obviously I had Mahomes in his own tier. I had the next four in their own tier. I had Lawrence, Herbert, Dak, and, and Rogers in their own tier as B-plus options. Um, I have Gino in my sixth tier as quote unquote exactly average. That's how that's where I have Gino. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so Gino is 15 for you. He's 10 for me. Tell me who your number 10 is. My number 10, and he's in his own tier, and it's Tua Tungavailoa. And it's just hard to talk about Tua without talking about the concussions. Because when Tua was healthy last year, he was unbelievable. A lot of those charts you tweeted out, a lot of those things you tweeted out, it's like, look how good Jalen Hurts is. My takeaway was like, oh, my God, Tua was unbelievable. Like the air yards, the EPA, like everything you could look at there with Tua tells you how good he was to start that year and how good Mike McDaniel was at, at building an offense around him and the things that he does so well. And you mentioned poise in the pocket with Justin Herbert. That's always been the thing that I love about Tua is the footwork in the pocket and what he's able to do. Now, that's not going to matter if someone gets to him and throws him on his head. Yeah, I need Tua to be a little more scared in the pocket, if we're being honest. Yeah, it's it's fair. It's a fair criticism. The the thing about it is before he got hit that way, it didn't really happen with Tua. Like, he Mm -hmm. avoided hits really well, even last year. He avoided hits generally very well. And then, and then he didn't. And so I have a feeling that, you know, we're going to be talking about Tua in past tense for a long time, because I don't know if he's ever going to be the same. And that is maybe a pessimistic way to look at it. I'm not a doctor, so I have no idea if that's even a correct way to look at it, but it's hard not to think that way about Tua right now. But having said all that, I think how he played last year was unequivocally top 10. I think it was probably top five. Um, and I, so I'm putting him 10 here because I think he was far better than anybody else on this list last season. And yeah, it's he hard was, for me to not give him credit. Through the first 11 weeks before the injury started, he was first in EPA and first in QBR. Now, the injuries happened. There was an element of the offense getting figured out as well, I think. Um, but at his best, he is a hyper-accurate distributor of the football which works fantastic when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill on your football team and Mike um, McDaniel for, calling plays yeah for his accuracy alone like there's he's he's what he's the most accurate passer in the NFL yeah I mean he's got to be and so I think you know hopefully he's healthy hopefully he plays a whole season and we can fully see this year but I've got him at number 11 uh, so who is your number 11 so then that, that's my own tier. Two is in his own tier because he could probably be higher or lower based on what he is. And then I have another tier here, and it's I have no idea where to put these guys. 
and you have one of them much lower. I, I think I'm going to combine them into a conversation. I have Kyle, I have Kyler Murray 11 and I have Deshaun Watson 12 and people are going to hear that Deshaun Watson ranking and, you know, be disgusted because I'm disgusted with it myself. But realistically, they neither of these players were as good as, for instance, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and Geno Smith last season. But if you're telling me that everyone's healthy and you're telling me that these guys, I have a team that's, you know, a 10-win team that's ready to win if they just have a quarterback, would I rather take, you know, the the – it's kind of the devil you know versus the devil you don't, I guess. But I know what Geno Smith, Jared Goff, and Kirk Cousins probably are. And it's probably exactly average with a pretty low floor. When it comes to Kyler Murray and when it comes to Deshaun Watson, I think both of those guys are incredibly talented. And we've seen incredible peaks in terms of 2018 and 2019 from Deshaun Watson, in terms of 2020 and 2021 from Kyler Murray. We've seen these guys play like top five quarterbacks. And I think ultimately the most valuable asset in the NFL is a top five quarterback. That's why you see teams chasing guys who show any semblance of an ability to be that Carson Wentz got two chances after one of the worst seasons as a quarterback in NFL history in 2020. He was abysmal in 2020. Despite that, he got two different organizations to give him a chance in Indianapolis and Washington after that. Why is that? Because once upon a time, he looked like a top three quarterback. And I think you could say the same thing for Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson. So it's tough because I think that Deshaun Watson was bad last year. And I'm of the opinion that I'm probably betting on him to maybe never return to form and to maybe be bad going forward. I'm low on the Browns this year. But it's hard for me to sit here and say, if I'm looking at things, if I was a GM looking at things from a purely football perspective and I got told I could have Deshaun Watson or Jared Goff, I'd probably take the home run swing. Taking morals out of it, obviously. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where it comes into, at least when I was doing my rankings here, it's not, I'm not going off of, potential upshots i guess as much as kind of how i evaluate a player now so i've got kyler at 12 which is pretty in line with where you have him uh obviously the injury um we'll see how he comes off of that there's always some limitations to his stature and his play style and he's in a bad organization and he's always had bad coaching and he's going to continue to have bad coaching uh, until jonathan gannon gets fired but how can you not believe in the athletic profile and his ability to throw the ball deep and things like that? So he's 12. I have Deshaun Watson all the way down at 21. I just think Deshaun Watson was awful last season. And maybe I read too much into that, but I'm not willing to bet that he's going to return to form. Like you mentioned, Uh, I'm going to have to see that first. And so maybe he jumps way up these rankings next year. I hope not. I hope he jumps, drops off these rankings completely because he's no longer in the NFL. Uh, But setting aside how I feel about the player, he was just abysmal last year. And so I have him lower. Yeah, it's totally understandable. It's not something I would argue confidently about. It's not something I'm happy about. I probably, it's just hard. He's the hardest guy on this list to rank in my opinion, because 
I mean, he's the only guy who got given $250 million guaranteed, and he did he got that after an abysmal, horrific showing of a human being. Like, he's just a, a – I mean, he's a piece of trash. And he still got the biggest contract in the sport. Um, he was bad this year. There's no way around that. Um, but I think if he was a free agent and he was available, I think there's like 15 teams that would probably be trying to get him. And that's disgusting, but it's probably true. Yeah. Okay, let's go to our number 13s. Uh, my number 13 is Matthew Stafford. I know he's a little lower on your list. Uh, he won the Super Bowl two years ago. He's feels always a long time had, ago. Yeah, it is a long time ago. It he's feels always like had a top arm. Even in the Super Bowl year, though, he was interception prone in stretches. Uh, he put the ball in harm's way a lot with poor decision making, thinking that his arm can bail him out, which sometimes it can, sometimes it can't. Um, now, assuming he's healthy for this season, which there's no way for us to know that, so I'm making the assumption that he is. I would put him about 13th in the list uh, in terms of who I would take. Um, I know that that Rams team was incredible the year that they won the Super Bowl, uh, but Stafford was a part of it. And so his tools, I'll take his tools, and uh, I've got him plugged in at 13. I believe he's number 17 on your list. Yeah, he's 17. I, I think that you know he, he was having shoulder issues, and that's usually the, the last thing you want to hear for an aging quarterback. And oh yeah, now he's having back issues. Mm-hmm. Like this just feels like we're headed towards a, a pretty dark ending for Matthew Stafford. Um, honestly, you could talk me into having him lower on my list. I have him 17. I have him in the either will move up or down tier. Um, but yeah, I, I have I have him below some guys that I think I would take. And you know, I guess you could you could make that argument I just made about Deshaun Watson where you take the upside of Matthew Stafford and you hope that he is what he was two years ago when he won the Super Bowl. Um, that's a fair argument. Mm-hmm. My argument back would just be the the physical concerns scare me. Like, I, I think that – and it's beyond like, oh, he might get hurt. I think he just might not be the same guy a- anymore with his shoulder and his back. So, I mean, there was buzz about him retiring. So, I, I just don't know what to expect from Stafford. Uh, it becomes, would I be – willing to bet on the upside in terms of Watson or Stafford. And it it would be Watson for sure. Taking personal out of it. Yeah. Okay. Who is your number 13? My number 13. And I'm just going to group these three together. We already talked about Geno Smith at 15. So I'm going to group these two together. I should say Jared Goff, Kirk cousins, Geno Smith are my exactly average tier. They are not going to, you know, have a, great impact on what your team does in my opinion i think your team if you're a nine win roster and you you throw one of those guys in you're going to be a nine win roster that's kind of how i feel about each one of those guys maybe that's unfair to golf i think golf i i would take golf over cousins and gino personally but those three are peas in a pod in my opinion okay yeah i've got so i have kirk is number 14 on my list the epitome of average. I mean, breaks metrics, puts up good stats that don't mean anything. Then primetime Kirk shows up. Uh, there's a Vikings guy in our discord that I sent my rankings and he was arguing that Kirk should be higher. And I understand why Vikings fans feel that way, but, and I understand how you can pull analytics and things. He's always defied analytics, but I always just feel like, you know, Kirk cousins is you play Kirk cousins. If you beat him, 
you're a good football team because Kirk yeah. doesn't beat good football teams. And he's just kind of that, that Mason Dixon line of mediocrity. He, he's the worst quarterback to have in the NFL because you will talk yourself into him uh, being able to win with him. He's going to win 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games. You're never winning a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, I, I truly do think he is the epitome of average. Um, uh, even though he's 14, I guess you'd say average is 16. We only rated the – we didn't rate the rookies, so we have 27. So I think we – around the NFL, shout out to them, good NFL pod. But they uh, they like to talk about the Dalton scale. They, they always talk about the Dalton scale is the exactly average, the median quarterback, and they were arguing – over who that should be this year. Some wanted it to be the Tannehill. So they, some wanted it to be Cousins. I think it's very clearly Cousins, right? Like always, it, has, That's the astronaut meme, always has been. Exactly. Like if you're better than Cousins, you're a franchise quarterback probably. Like you probably feel like you can win a Super Bowl with a guy if he's better than Cousins. If you're worse than Cousins, grab a paddle, brother. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Goff, I have Goff at 18 on my list. So I've got him a little lower. Uh, I just golf is you're not a golf guy. I'm not a golf guy. I've never been a golf guy. I was terrified. The Eagles were going to draft golf when they traded up to two, not yet knowing who the Rams would take. I think he's fine. I mean, he was fine in LA and they started to figure things out. He was good last year in Detroit. The problem is we've seen that before in, in LA. And once it gets figured out, he's not that elevator. He's not the guy that can raise his team. I think he's fine. I think the Dolphins, or I think the Dolphins, I think the Lions should have made an aggressive move for a quarterback this offseason. Anthony Richardson should be a Detroit Lion instead of Jack Campbell and Jameer Gibbs. And even if you don't play him this year, your team would be better for it. But uh, so Goff's fine. I think he'll probably be fine again this year. But he's, like you said, if you're a nine win team, you add Goff, you're probably a nine win team. Can you win the Super Bowl with Geno Smith? I don't know. Okay. I was just curious. Maybe if everything played out right, but it's a long shot. I guess you're, I guess it's one of those, like, we know you can't with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Gino, it's still a new thing. Like you could say like, look, he was good for the one year. Like we, we haven't, we don't have years of experience of knowing that exactly what he is, I guess. After seeing Nick Foles come off of a bench, and beat Tom Brady and then promptly get benched everywhere he went after. I'll never say you could never win a Super Bowl with anyone except Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot. If you don't have a top eight quarterback, it's a long shot to win a Super Bowl when you're going to be playing against Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. Like, it's they, just a long shot. They wrote him off, but he didn't write back, though. So <laughs> let, let's move on to 16. Let's write him off. Yeah. Uh, well, 15, my 15 is Justin oh, okay, Fields, okay. Uh, which I think is also your 16. So he's 16 for me. Yeah. Yeah. So Justin Fields, I was a big Justin Fields guy. I still am. Uh, nobody is more dynamic as a runner, including running backs. Like you go look at wins above replacement, Justin Fields almost doubles the next closest person. I thought a running back would be up there. Nope. Justin Fields, top I- of the list. He's, well, I, I'm curious, just out of curiosity, were there other quarterbacks ranking highly up there? Uh, I can look that. I can look at that when while well, you talk about him here in a second. Um, I'll, I'll try to pull it up. But yeah, he um, he obviously needs development as a passer. 
there's the caveat. He's had a horrendous offensive line and weapons his entire career in Chicago. This year, they've gotten they've gotten some offensive line help. They've gotten some receiver help. It's time for him to take a step. I'm not saying he has to be a top 10 quarterback this year. He's got to improve as a passer, and that's what Bears fans need to see. That's what I need to see for Fields to take that step forward. I mean, Justin Fields, over a two-year stretch um, at Ohio State, had a 68.4 completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy who had over nine yards per attempt. This is a guy who had 63 touchdowns and nine interceptions with a near perfect passer rating. I don't think this is a guy who's a complete teardown job as a passer. I, I really don't. Um, I, and I made, I made jokes about last year about the offense early on in the year. And, um, and I immediately admitted halfway through the year that I was blaming the wrong person when I was giving any negativity towards Justin Fields when it came to that. I I think Justin Fields will 100,000% be in my top 11 next year. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Um, so I, I expect Fields to be higher. If this was just like a who would I take for the next five years, Fields is in my top 10. Um, I, love, I love Fields. I am turning myself into a Fields stan this offseason. From a, from a football standpoint, fantasy is a whole other conversation, but – I think I think this is going to be a put it all together year for Justin Fields, and, and I, I just think he's. I don't love what they did this offseason. We've talked about that. I'm not as crazy about DJ Moore as a lot of other people are, um, but I, I think people are really, really underestimating how good of a thrower Justin Fields was in college. I mean, he was not this type of runner at all. Like he had 484 rush yards and 383 rush yards, and I know that they count sacks as negative yards, so that negatively affects that. It's probably up more like five to six hundred. But I mean, this is a guy who can do it all. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. Uh, so wins above replacement for rushing. Uh, Justin Fields was one. Uh, Josh Allen is their yeah. fifth. Uh, Jalen Hurts is eleventh. Yeah. Lamar Jackson twelfth. Uh, so I'm actually surprised those guys aren't a little higher. Yeah, so uh, top five was Justin Fields, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Tyler Algier, and Josh Allen, which it's hilarious that the Falcons spent a first-round pick on (laughs) Bajan Robinson when Tyler Algier was fourth and wins above replacement. And you know what else is funny? They have another running back in the top 15. Caleb Huntley was 15th. but Cordell was probably pretty good when he got carries, too. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Jones was 17th. Uh, Joe Burrow, 19th. Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. 23rd, and on it goes. But anyways, not to relitigate the Falcons' draft decision. So let's move on to, uh, I guess it'll be mine, number 16. I put Derek Carr. Uh, West, Co- West Coast Kirk Cousins, if you will. That's That was what I called him last year. Now it's not West Coast. Now we're, what, Bayou Kirk Cousins? It's disrespectful to Kirk Cousins. How about that? How about me? Ooh, you're a big a Derek Carr guy. I was, or you were, yeah. I he was he stunk last year, and that yeah. that roster, it was not as bad as it is now. He had pass catchers like that: Devonte, Renfro, uh, Waller, even other options. Like, I I just did not think he was at all good last year. Like, when Carr is good, he's kind of doing a little bit of everything. 
and he's not just doing the thing where he he checks down and he's captain checked down and I, that used to be my criticism against him and and even when I would def- when I, even when I was defending him it was defending him against people who were calling him captain checked down and not taking chances last year it felt like he was captain checked down at the worst times and then he was trying to like prove people wrong and make big throws in the tight windows at the worst times like it felt like he was doing the exact opposite of what he is when he's good, which is kind of letting the defense come to him. And I I don't really know how to explain it other than I I was so disappointed with everything relating to his year last year. And I used to be a car guy. I don't know if the Raiders got worse at quarterback. I I really don't. And I don't know if the saints got that much better. Like you look at what Andy Dalton did statistically last year. It wasn't that bad. Like, he was pretty middle of the road. If you look at a lot of his EPA numbers and his air yards, like he was fine. Dalton was okay. He wasn't really the problem with New Orleans. I don't think Derek Carr is going to come in and be much better than okay. I have him 19th. You could easily talk me into having him over Russell Wilson, who I have 18. Um, that's just realistically, if I was making a pick on it, taking contracts out of it, if I could get a one-year deal on either of those guys, I'd probably bet on trying to figure out how to like get through to Russ than I would like trying to milk Derek Carr's creativity out of him that he just doesn't have. Like he, I, I just, I was really disappointed with how he handled last year. Yeah. Yeah. He, it was not a banner year uh, for him. You said you had Russell Wilson where 18, 18. Yeah. Okay. I've got Russell Wilson, 19. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to Russell Wilson, I've got Kenny Pickett at number 17. He's number 20 I... for you. I was shocked about this. I've talked myself into the Steelers quite a bit. Now, honestly, their their division is brutal. But after his week nine bye, Pickett was sixth in EPA per play. This isn't like a four-week sample size. He played really well down yeah. the stretch. And that was as a rookie. And as a rookie that I didn't expect to come in and play that well. And so he exceeded my expectations as a rookie. That second year leap is often big for guys as they settle into an offense. I love his chemistry with George Pickens. Uh, I didn't think his athleticism was going to translate well to the NFL, but he was able to run around better than I thought he would be able to and improvise. Uh, all in all, I was I was impressed with Pickett. And it might not sound like that, having him ranked at 17th. No, definitely. But if we were doing this exercise last year, projecting rookies, I would have had him in like the bottom four or five. I I did not think Pickett belonged in the first round of the draft. And last year, I think he convinced me I was wrong. And I'm excited to see what he does this year. So I've got him at 17. I'm high on Pickett and like I'm high on his future. And I think he's going to have, like I've said it before, a Romo-ish career. Like I I think he's going to be that level of quarterback um, it's just hard for me to put him over Fields, Stafford, Russ Wilson, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones. Like it's hard for me to put him over those guys who have had s- s- pretty sizable success, each of them. Um, and maybe I do base my stuff a little bit too much on that. And I'd probably rather have Pickett than any of those guys in a vacuum if this was more than a one-year exercise. Um, but I'm, I'm absolutely floored that I end up being the negative guy on Kenny Pickett here. I don't even really know how to handle it. I love what you said though, about the sixth and EPA. I'm all in on the Steelers. As you know, um, I think Kenny Pickett could play like the 21st best quarterback this year and the Steelers could win 10 games. Like Mm -hmm. that's how much I like their roster. And I think if Pickett just 
plays average. Like if he plays to a similar level to Kirk Cousins in any fashion, then I, I think the Steelers will probably win 12 games. Um, so I, I was floored when I saw your picket ranking. I'm happy to, I'm happy to welcome you to the picket bandwagon. You could take my seat as the driver. <laughs> Apparently so. So, okay. Uh, Russell Wilson. I, I don't think Russell Wilson's still good. I think he's, but I mean, he's still got the moon ball. His athleticism starting to wane, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I would take him over, you know, anybody else that's still left on this list. So, uh, I, I wasn't going to put Russell Wilson like at the very bottom based on one year, uh, but I am very concerned about Wilson. How much was Nathaniel Hackett? We're going to find out. Um, Sean Payton's the second best coach in football, in my opinion. So Nathaniel Hackett's the second worst after Urban Meyer of all time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I this it's such a massive, massive, massive swing in coaching that I'm willing to give Russ one more year at this middling tier kind of like. I'm willing to to wait and see. All right. Uh, who is your number 20? Daniel Jones, which I believe okay. you also have a 20. Yeah, Daniel Jones is also 20 for me. Great year last year. Did not push the ball downfield whatsoever. Uh, I hope for Giants fans that the new turnover avoiding Daniel Jones is the new wave of the future. I fear the only reason that he did that was because he threw the ball he just hit checkdowns all season. So that's my concern. But when you have the athleticism he has, and if you can take care of the ball, you have a certain floor. So that's why I had Daniel Jones at 20. Yeah. The running ability really gives Jones a leg up. And honestly, if I, I, I might be biased in putting Jones at 20, you could probably make a case that he belongs at, at 18 here. You could probably make a case that it, he probably would have had more than a more of a market than Derek Carr. What do you think as a free agent? Yes, I think so for sure because he's got the yeah. mobility and that's what teams want. Yeah. yeah I, there's an argument that maybe I have him below Carr and there, there's no argument for it. So yeah, I, I might be biased in having him this low, but I, I, I think that Jones as at this point has proven me wrong that uh, he is at least a serviceable option. Okay, so that is number 20. Uh, we've done both of our 21s, ironically. Uh, my number 22 is Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill, you know, he's not afraid to take hits. He'll step into hits and make throws. My my biggest thing with Ryan Tannehill I wish is different is we all know Ryan Tannehill was a receiver in college, right? I wish he would use that athleticism and that mobility. And I think you would see, I would put him above Daniel Jones. I would probably have him above Russell Wilson, Jared Goff at this point. He just doesn't do that. And if you aren't going to use your mobility, I can only have you so high. Like that's going to put you down near the bottom of my list. So I have Tannehill at 22. I believe you had him at 24. Is that right? Yeah, I have him at 24. Um, it would be interesting to see what he would look like in Atlanta. There was a lot of speculation that Atlanta was going to make a move for him this year and has kicked the tires on it. And I've even heard some Falcons reporters say that if Ritter doesn't look good after a month, don't be surprised if they trade for Tannehill. Uh, Arthur Smith worked with them in the past. It would be interesting to see if they'd use his athleticism at all there with Bijan in the backfield and Algier and obviously London and Pitts out wide. Um, I do think that that makes a ton of sense. And even though I have Tannehill 24 and I would have Ritter 27, there's a pretty big, massive difference there between, between those spots. So, 
Um, I have Tannehill 24. Uh, I'm surprised you have 10, and I know it's going to be a health thing. Jimmy G is better than Ryan Tannehill, right? Just like in terms of as a quarterback. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That That's, I knew that it was probably just a health thing and it's fair. He's played one healthy season <laughs> in his career. So I yeah. understand that the concerns with Jimmy G I've become a Jimmy G defender and a Jimmy G guy. Cause I do think a lot of the times when we talk about him, especially in the off season, I think we forget how good he is when he plays because he is generally very good. I do need to see him play for someone that's not Kyle Shanahan. It's fair. Which is the very other fair. thing that I had him down. We've seen Tannehill and other, you know, we, not that he's in a QB friendly system. I guess they have a running game, but yeah, Jimmy G's at 24 for me, 22 for you. Uh, you know, removing context, I just have trouble trusting a Shanahan quarterback to actually be good. Uh, and then you add in Jimmy G's health. Obviously he's fearless throwing over the middle, which is nice for a quarterback. Maybe it'd be better if he dialed it back just a smidge at times, but um, yeah, that's, and Brock Purdy, who is my 23, he's your 25. Same sort of thing. Small sample size. He's a Shanahan quarterback with no outstanding traits. And so, uh, like I said, he was near the top of the league in EPA last year. I remain wholly unconvinced he's actually a good quarterback. I'm going to have yeah. to see that. Honestly, I thought about ranking him lower because I think that there's a chance that if Baker was that guy last year in San Francisco, he might have even been better. Like maybe Debo's right. Maybe they would have beat us. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he might've even been better than Purdy in that situation. And I think that's an argument against Jimmy G for sure. Um, that how good Purdy looked. So, uh, that's, it's interesting the the Purdy Jimmy G conversation. All right. So here's our list just to jump the gun a little bit, yeah, but yeah, I'll put yeah. it up here. Cause it's getting a little convoluted. You have Mac Jones at 23. I have him at 25 and then we have the same 26 and 27 Baker Mayfield, 26 Desmond Ritter at 27. So talk to me about Mac Jones. There's part As of me take that a drink. I ask a question. Yeah. There's part of me that wanted to have him at 22. Actually. Um, he was really good in 2021. Like he, he was legitimately a top 15 quarterback that year. Problem is he was probably a bottom five quarterback last year in, in the time that he played. And how much of that is the fault of a defensive coordinator and Joe judge. And how much of that is that he was overperforming as a rookie. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with a legitimate offensive coordinator, albeit not one. I'm, not necessarily what I would call a bastion of creativity in Bill O'Brien. Um, but I, I would say that it's at least a massive improvement just to get to someone who has coached offense in the NFL. Yeah. I, I thought you were about to use the what on me. <laughs> the way you were looking at your computer, I thought I was getting a what. Oh, no. I just, yeah, the, last year was a mess. I just I remain I was unconvinced on Mac Jones as a prospect. Didn't think he should have gone in the first round. I haven't. I still don't disagree with that. I think when you're going to play the way that he plays, um, you have to have some sort of elite arm talent, elite processing, and I just don't think he has that. So for a guy that's not mobile, I wouldn't draft you to begin with. But you have to have something, some elite trait, and I just don't think he has it. So that's why he's down on my list. And then. We round out the bottom with Baker Mayfield, who been a lot of places, not been in great situations, uh, but he's kind of floundered in a lot of places he's been. Maybe that changes in Tampa Bay. And then Desmond Ritter, who we almost excluded from this 
exercise because he didn't have very many starts, but we figured we would throw him in here, but he's going to be at the bottom regardless. He hasn't done a lot. He was a late round mid round pick. Uh, maybe he can excel this year in that Falcons run heavy offense. It better be run heavy with Bajan Robinson and Tyler Algier. And to be honest with Desmond Ritter as your quarterback, you better be run heavy, but uh, and so that kind of rounds out the rankings. Uh, did you have anything you want to say specifically on Mayfield or Ritter? Baker looked pretty good with Sean McVay at the end of the year. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Um, I would not count on that to continue with Byron Leftwich and Tampa Bay. Um, but yeah, I, I wait. Did, actually, did Leftwich get fired? I can't remember. No. He's still no. there. He's still there. He's still there. Um, yeah, that's what a what a fumble that guy had. He was going to be a head coach two years ago. He turned down Jacksonville allegedly, so and which then led them to offer Doug the job. They wanted Leftwich instead. And then last year we watched Leftwich put together maybe like the worst offensive game plan of all time. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, but yeah, Baker looked good in, in LA, so it's hard to for, it's hard to wipe that out of my brain. I'll never forget that Christmas game. Yeah, I think. Oh no, no, I I was wrong. Leftwich got fired. I was yeah, thinking. I, of, thought so. I was thinking. I was thinking of Bowles. My bad. Yeah, Leftwich was brutal last year. I have no idea yeah. who's even calling their offense. Yeah. So there it is. There is our rankings, one to twenty-seven. Mark, real quickly, projecting these other five guys. Who would you take them over? For me, I would take. I'll let you think about it for a second. So I just throw it to you. I would take all three rookies over. Uh, Matthew Stafford. So I'd put, I'd take all of them in like that 13 ish range. Um, wow. Is that for this, just for this year? Oh yeah, I guess that's true. If I'm just talking this year, I'd probably bring it down. But like if I, if I had, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay. If, if I'm just talking year one, how good they would be, I would Mm -hmm. say I'd take Bryce Young above justin fields at 15 wow i would take cj stroud above Carr at 16 richardson i would probably take above Goff, and then howell and love i have nothing to base this off of but i would take them over Tannehill. how i'd put last i think he stinks um Love, I would rank above Ritter, and that's it. Richardson, just because I do think it's a project, I'd probably rank him right below Tannehill. Um, and then Stroud and Young, are I think they're neck and neck in terms of how good they'll be right away. I'd probably even argue that Stroud is better set up to succeed right away just as a prospect. Um, but... That's tough. Uh, I would definitely rather have Fields than both of them. I think for yeah. this year. Okay. So then it becomes stat. Would I rather have Stafford or one of them? I'd probably rather one of the rookies. I'm trying to think like, would I think the Saints were better if they had Bryce Young instead of Derek Carr? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, same with Denver. I would. Yeah, it's probably right behind Fields. Okay for Stroud and Young for me. So 
There you have it. Uh, if you were a fan of one of the teams with rookies, we may not have talked about your team much, but we definitely talked about these quarterbacks a ton during the draft process. You can go check out our archives if you want our QB ranking episodes. Uh, all of that stuff is out there. So, uh, Mark, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this episode. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or anything you want to get off your chest? Anything you want to plug? The floor is yours. Yeah, I feel like more than ever there are less bad quarterbacks but also maybe less confirmed good ones like i have 10 confirmed good quarterbacks at this point so is there that big of a difference between like kyler at 11 and like kenny pickett at 21 or daniel jones at 20 like not really not there's not that big of a difference it's just that 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 there's a wide range in the middle of guys who you could pretty easily argue to be ranked in any order. Just so you know, the clip I'm taking from this show is you saying there's not much of a difference between Kyler Murray and Kenny Pickett. I'm going to take out the context. Hand size, not not, not much different. <laughs> Similar hand size. All right. Uh, well, that is going to about do it for this episode. We will be off next week i'm going to be traveling to a family reunion so no chalk talk next week but mark and i will be back the following week uh to do some as yet undetermined podcast topics so if you guys have something you want to hear us talk about uh you can hit us up in twitter dms you can dm the chalk talk account at chalk talk underscore nfl let us know what you guys would like to hear us talk about. Maybe we'll rank like the top 10 weapons groups or something. I think we I should know. rank. I, I think we should do it. The whole league, the whole league's weapons, top, top 32. Oh gosh. Let's get, that wild. sounds like a, that sounds like a three part podcast. Let's get wild. No, it's <laughs> it, nothing. will go longer than this. The quarterback yeah. rankings is it's so contentious. I love it. Yeah. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Uh, Thank you for joining us for episode 114 of Chalk Talk. If you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do, except for that one guy in chat, be sure that you turn on notifications, smash the subscribe button, give us five-star ratings and reviews wherever you stream your podcasts. You can follow me on YouTube, Twitter, threads, at ShaneHalfNFL. Mark is on Twitter and threads, at MarkHenryJr. Underscore. We will catch you guys in two weeks to talk more football.